Welcome to Product Marketing Maestro's Tales from the Front Lines. I'm your host, Nitin Kartek. As Director of Product Marketing, I've always found that real-world case studies are the litmus test for the effectiveness of any product marketing strategy. And that is why, in this show, we dive into the minds of industry titans, as well as rising stars, unpacking their expertise in action-packed 15-minute episodes, showcasing the power of product marketing through real-world case studies. And today, we are joined by product marketing maestro Sarah Din, VP of product marketing at QuickBase. Sarah's stellar credentials include being listed as a top product marketing mentor in 2023, as well as 2022, and being listed as a top 10 product marketing AMA contributor. She has over 17 years of marketing experience at organizations of all sizes, including internationally recognized brands such as SurveyMonkey. A self-described tech nerd and storyteller at heart, Sarah's expertise is in developing strategic narratives, and she enjoys building teams and mentoring people to find joy in what they do. Sarah, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, and it's great to be here. I, I love doing these podcasts and AMAs. I think a lot of us are so busy just getting the work done and getting things out the door and managing our teams that it's fun to take time and sit down and actually look back and think about what we've actually done and how we've accomplished it and did it work, did it didn't. So it's, it's fun to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have a fun episode today where we're going to talk about a real life example from your experience. And we're going to use uh, the STAR framework. So we'll talk about the situation, we'll talk about the targets, we'll talk about your actions, and of course, we'll talk about the results. So with that, Sarah, tell us about the situation that you would like to talk about today. Yeah, um, so I'm going to talk about a project that actually is very near and dear to my heart and it's very relevant because we're smack in the middle of it. So it's on my mind and I'm actively in it. So I thought this would be a good one to focus on. So going back to what the situation is, uh, let me give you a little bit more context for those that might not know about QuickBase and what the product does. QuickBase is um, a low code platform that allows people to build very custom applications. At the core of it, from a very technical perspective, that's what the product is. Now, QuickBase is a very horizontal product, which means you can build anything on it. It's um, very green field, right? And so if you think of a lot of products out there, like Notion, for instance, right? Like similar sort of situation where, or Airtable, where you can build almost anything. Now, the situation, the, the, the sort of issue that we have because of that is it's very powerful, but then also when you're kind of going to market and selling it, you can't sort of go with this message of we're everything for everyone because then you're nothing for no one. And so you have to be a little bit prescriptive with what you can do. And sometimes a lot of companies get uncomfortable with that because you know, a lot of times you're like, but no, we don't wanna limit the audience or we don't want to limit our go to market um, or our sort of TAM, right? And so that was the situation that we were in recently where we were like, it's a powerful product. Our message for the longest time has been very horizontal, but not only do we need to get better at being a little bit more prescriptive in the problems we solve, let's also really dig into the data and understand who the best audiences are. And so that was the situation that we we started with. Yeah, 
And I can tell that a lot of the folks in our audience may also be struggling with this challenge, which is kind of uh, almost an identity crisis, right? Who are we? Who are we trying to serve? And they fall into this, uh, this, this pitfall where they try to be, you know, something for everybody. And like you said, I, I love the way you said it, you know, if you're if you're doing everything for everybody, you're doing nothing for nobody. And so that's really, you know, I, I think there's a saying that says wisdom is not just knowing what we say yes to. It's also knowing what we say no to. And so I love that. So that, that's a fantastic situation. And I'm sure a lot of our audience can relate with that. So tell us, Sarah, uh, given the situation, what are some of the targets, either quantitatively or qualitatively, that uh, you're trying to achieve here? Yeah, so the target for this specific initiative was to really nail down two things. One, be very crystal clear about our use cases and um, those that are generally uh, the biggest use cases that we solve in our product. And then tied to that, be very prescriptive of about the actual audience that we serve. And that was broken down into two parts. One was our ICP or our ideal customer profile. Now that looks different for different companies. For us, we were mostly focused on two things, the company size, so the size of the business, and then uh, the actual verticals where we win the most. Because even though our product isn't vertical, we've kicked off a vertical go-to-market uh, motion a year and a half ago, and we saw a lot of traction. So the target now or the goal now was for 2024, what verticals should we be focusing on within specific company sizes so that we can have a very focused go-to-market and then talk about these um, X sort of use cases that are very specific to most of these organizations. Yeah. And again, this is super helpful because I think a lot of our audience is also looking to break into new markets. They may be at large companies, they may be at small companies, but you know, all of them have uh, similar challenges. Wonderful. So Sarah, we've talked about the situation. You've told us about some of the targets and now we get to the business end of the discussion. Let's talk about some of the actions that you're taking and you have taken. Yeah. So what we did is I'm all for structure and process. My brain doesn't work unless there is like a plan and there is a set process of how you actually do the analysis and then go to like the next steps and phases. So I'll walk you through kind of how we tackle this. So for the first part in terms of use cases and also for the, the vertical segmentation, really it all starts with data. At the end of the day, you want to really look at a couple of different views of data that you have available. So we started with a really like um, deep dive into our customer data for the past X years, looking at all the attributes that we could around customers, for instance, the size of business, um, and then looking at metrics in terms of their verticals, their industry verticals, and then win rates, um, ARR, um, also, like in terms of scale, like year over year wins, like how that's increasing. So all of the key metrics as a business that you care about, understanding where we're winning the most, where we're losing the most. So for um, for verticalization segments specifically, we did a ton of analysis to really understand which company size, which business sizes are the ideal customers for us. Where do we have the highest win rates? Where do we have the, the largest ARR or the volume of customers? And where are we retaining best? Like where are the win rates and the retention rates the highest? So doing that analysis, we narrowed it down to a specific segment of business sizes between a certain range. And that identified the first part of our ICP for us. Then we did a ton of work around understanding vertically which industries do we do best in. So in, um, in terms of verticals, we used NACE 
um, industry codes, which if anybody's ever used, they can be very ambiguous, right? Like they're typically a combination of a lot of very different industries. And if you as a marketer try to target um, one of those categories like manufacturing, for instance, if you look at the subsectors, they're actually a combination of all kinds of manufacturing. And so one story doesn't fit all actually. So you can't really rely on what's out there. So the second part of that work was really doing a little bit of our own coding in terms of industries and creating buckets of industry verticals that have similar problems so that we can target these people with a message that resonates across them versus like somebody that's building cereal boxes or versus a manufacturing plant that's building airplanes like you you know they have very different problems you're going to solve so from a targeting perspective we had to segment that out and be very very specific in the verticals that we focus on so we did that analysis and we created what we call a prioritization matrix putting those industries into a scoring framework um, and weighting things like scale more so than currently where we win right because we want to focus on companies where we know we can grow, not just win. And so that's an important nuance sometimes that people don't think about, because if you focus on where you're winning today, it just shows you what, what you can do today. But in terms of segmentation and future sort of unlocking new um, audiences for you, you have to think about where you can scale as well. So we created this prioritization matrix that had on the x-axis, it was more about our ability to win. And on the y-axis was like market attractiveness, which was the combination of TAM and competitive intensity. So we we plotted a lot of our verticals that you know we sort of have on that matrix, and then we came up with the top sort of invest to grow bucket, and that was like where we win high, and also the TAM is high. So that's where we concentrated. And that was the first part of this process. Um, and then what we've done is that's the science, right? Then there is a bit of art. And I think that's true in most product marketing projects is that you start with the science, you start with the data, and then there always is a bit of art to how you actually make decisions. And so what we ended up doing is having a lot of cross-functional sort of workshopping and discussions internally to then look at those top, let's say we had 10 verticals and we had to prioritize three for next year. That was our goal. And so what we did is we did a lot of internal workshopping because we had created a growth formula to make it a little bit more structured. We'd looked at where we were winning. Construction, for instance, for QuickBase is one of the, the top verticals where we've won a lot. And so we looked at what we've done in construction to win and what's helping us. And we turned that into a formula. And we found there's a couple of things that you need in order to win in a vertical. One is you need to have um, marquee customers that are, you know, if they're, if you have marquee customers, it's easier to sell into new customers because you have a story to tell. Then you need to have a very strong sort of tech partnership integration situation where you have leaders in the space that you can work with and do co-marketing with. Because in construction, we have a very strong tech partner that we um, do a lot of um, co-marketing efforts with and we have an integration with. Then you need like a strong subject matter expert to um, aligned to so who, who can go out and speak with you. So we applied all of that into the the workshops that we had and decided which verticals we were going to prioritize for the next year. So that, that's been sort of the bulk of the work. Wow. Yeah, I think you touched on a, a couple of very interesting concepts. So this notion of this Pareto analysis, where maybe 80% of our results come from the 20% of our inputs, it could be our customer segments and so on. So I love how you you triage that. You also brought out, Sarah, an interesting other concept, which is 
don't just focus on where you're winning strongly. Also focus on the greenfield opportunity, right? Because you don't, I mean, just want to saturate the existing market. You want to find new opportunities. I love that. So given these actions, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about the results. So tell us some of the results that uh, came out of these exercises. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is something that's currently in flight, right? Like, so we're smack in the middle of it. The results for us are really um, making sure that we as a, an organization are cross-functionally aligned between finance, between sales, between product and between marketing and de developing a plan that is cohesive and consistent across the board. So part of the results is internal selling and making sure people are brought along the journey and are convinced because product marketing isn't just about outside marketing it's also internal right like in in a lot of ways so for me results also mean that we are now in a place where we've brought everyone along in a cross-functional way everyone's aligned and now when we look at 2024 and our plan that we're building it is cohesive and it's consistent and everybody is aligned to the fact that we are going into these markets these are the product capabilities we need to build this is how we need to structure our sales team to win right it's uh, the finance like the the goals that we're setting in terms of bookings pipeline they're all aligned to the way we want to go to market so the results are that we're in the middle of it we have a very cohesive plan and we're hopeful that all of this will really drive growth for us next year that is awesome and i love how you touched on the fact that product marketers are really maestros. When we say product marketing maestros like you, this is really what we're talking about. It's almost like a music conductor where you have all these different players. You mentioned finance, you mentioned sales, it could be operations, it could be uh, research and development, product teams, you know, all these different teams. And we are the maestros where we are ensuring that it's all uh, harmonious music as opposed to a cacophony of uh, noises that comes out. So that is wonderful. and. As you mentioned, these are in flight, so uh, time will tell how these play out. But based on what you've described and your scientific method, I think we can have a lot of optimism in this. In fact, we'll maybe have you come back in a couple of months and tell us how actually these worked out. So with that, this is amazing. I think, Sarah, our audience has gained a lot of good insights based on your experience, so thank you for sharing that. Tell us, Sarah, where can people find you and find out what's next for you? Yeah, no, I would love to connect with people. The best way to do that is LinkedIn. Um, and I love just setting up coffee meetings and chats if anyone's interested in learning more about this project or just wants to chat and just talk product marketing. I'm always open to that. So LinkedIn is the best place to do it. Wonderful. So folks, if you have any need for a true maestro to help you in your product marketing challenges, do reach out to Sarah. As she mentioned, you know, she'll be able to help you have a coffee chat. Sometimes you're not even sure exactly what your challenge is. Talk with Sarah, and I'm sure that she'll be willing to help you. So wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And more importantly, our audience appreciates it. So folks, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay awesome, my friends.